What happens when we begin to realize that the 200-year experiment we've called the American healthcare system has failed? Tune in to Awakened Wellness with Milen Riobay, MD, and join the conversation about how to heal our broken system to reverse our current health crisis. The entire world is looking for answers, and the truth is hidden in plain sight. Learn how spirituality, ancient traditions, and cutting-edge science are merging to create a new paradigm of wellness every Wednesday at 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Time with live video shows every first and third Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time when you can call in and ask the questions that matter most to you. Good afternoon and welcome to Awakened Wellness Now. I'm your host, Dr. Milan Riobe. And today we are live here on Dream Vision 7 Radio. And today's topic is self-care as self-love. Mindset hacks for busy entrepreneurs to optimize their wellness. And um, so, you know, it's February. It is the month of love. Uh, so I thought, you know, to start off the month, even though today's not technically a Valentine's Day, it would be a good idea to talk about self-love, right? Um, Valentine's Day is always portrayed as a day where you you give love outwardly, you know, externally to someone else. But, you know, as we, as we really dive deep into uh, spirituality and, uh, you know, truth, if you don't have self-love, you don't have anything to give out, right? So you have to cul cultivate that from within yourself to be able to generate it, to put it out into the world, right? Whether you're focused on another being or uh, focused on, you know, the world at large or a community or your children or family, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're putting that focus of love out to, if there's not the self-love within yourself first, um, you can't do it, right? It it, it uh, becomes problematic eventually, right? And uh, may or may not be responsible for the fifty percent divorce rate that we have um, in this in this country, at least. Um, and so, uh, you know, when we look at Saint Valentine's Day, one of the interesting things I always like to look up, like where did this idea come from, right? Um, you know, for words, you know, wh what's the origin of this word? Why do we use this word? Where does this word come from? Uh, so, you know, I thought, let's let me look into St. Valentine's Day. Like, what's the deal? How did that come about? Um, and ironically, it had nothing to do with love. Right. So uh, from what I read here on the Internet uh, through biblical scholars and other historians, apparently it had, you know, almost nothing whatsoever to do with love and perhaps the exact opposite. Um, so apparently there are multiple St. Valentines throughout history. Um, who all allegedly were killed on February 14th, uh, some perhaps beheaded <laughs> from what I'm understanding. Um, and they were uh, perhaps uh, spreading, you know, the Christian faith. So this may or may not have been around the time of the Christian Crusades or, you know, some, some attempt at expanding Christianity. And they were met with resistance from uh, various, you know, Roman emperors and other figures of authority, and they were killed. Um, and that is the origin of St. Valentine's Day. And so how we distorted that into the holiday that we celebrate today is beyond me. But this here, here is where we are. And, you know, February also marks Black History Month. Um, and again, when we look at the distortion of Black history that has occurred over the last you know, centuries, um, you know, so many of the achievements of Africans were distorted, um, taken away, um, appropriated, um, you know, and, and the Africans who originated mathematics and language and, you know, all types of other, you know, monumental civilization building um, constructs were not given the credit, right? Uh, but thanks to genetics and archeological uh, discoveries and advancements, you know, we are able to uh, 
give back the credit where the credit was due, right? And so again, the same distortion of history, like how how does the beheading of a people become a celebration of love and you know, how do contributions of Africans get so distorted and taken away uh, over the course of time, right? And, you know, that brings about the conversation of socialization. You know, what, what we are told by authoritative figures uh, from the time that we're very young, uh, you know, that sets our mind along a course, a path, right? Um, we understand now that hate is actually a learned behavior. Um, it is not an innate behavior found in the human being. Um, love is the innate emotion, right? So for us to not love ourselves, right? So for us to have a world that we see today where there's uh, war, crime, uh, hate, um, you know, and ironically, we're celebrating love, um, you know, means that that there was some socialization, right? Our minds got twisted somehow um, into believing things that simply are not true, right? <laughs> and so this is also what brings about the lack of self-love, right? Um, we are socialized to think that we need to behave and act and uh, present ourselves in specific ways in the world in order to fit in, in order to be safe, um, you know, in order to, quote unquote, survive, right? And, you know, on my spiritual journey and even in my teaching of other people, I have found as an integrative medical doctor, as a holistic physician, that if people do not love themselves, they cannot heal. Um, you know, and, and uh, even, you know, Jesus wouldn't have been able to heal other people if those other people did not believe that he could heal them, right? Or did not believe that they could be healed. Um, and so your beliefs are so important um, and dictate how you move about the world. They dictate whether or not you get sick. They dictate whether or not you get better if you get sick. They dictate how much money you have. They dictate what you're able to do in the world, right? And so for entrepreneurs who are looking to create a business, uh, leave a legacy, change the world, um, or at least change a few million people along the way, um, the, the most important aspect of that is to really love ourselves and believe ourselves capable of being able to do the thing that we want to do, right? Um, and even for my kids, I've always told them, I said, do what you love, right? I did my best raising them not to give them artificial constructs of who they should be in the world and allow them to decide what that was going to be for themselves. Um, you know, the best I could. Of course, you have to teach your kids, don't go straying into the street. You might get hit by a car, you know, um, you don't, don't go out by yourself late at night. You know, you have to teach them certain basic constructs of survival. Um, but in terms of teaching them what's right or wrong about themselves, you know, um, you know, you, you need to dress a certain way, otherwise you won't fit in. You know, you need to, uh, you know, get a certain grade in school. Otherwise, you know, you won't succeed. You know, I tried never to instill those things into their minds um, and just to allow them to kind of percolate in who they were and to decide who they are, right? Uh, in the hopes that they would develop this self-love and understand that whoever they are is okay. You know, whoever they are is perfect. Um, so that they could move in the world from that basis, you know, and, and as a physician, I do the same thing with my clients the best I can. Of course, you know, time is limited. Um, I used to be able to do this a lot more when I had a concierge practice where time wasn't necessarily um, a restriction, right? Um, when you do fee for service and you have a 30 minute appointment, you know, there's only so much you can talk to talk about in a, in one appointment, but it always goes back to what do you believe about yourself that is holding you back? Right. Um, 
And often we're socialized in different ways based on our gender, right? That's a big source of socialization for us. So women, uh, you know, as little girls, uh, we're bought, you know, our parents buy us dolls to play with and raise and, you know, act motherly towards. And, uh, you know, if we're, if we're boys, then perhaps our parents buy us, um, you know, uh, toy cars and, um, you know, other things, uh, you know, building tools and, you know, in today's age, it would be computers and, and all those types of things. Right. Um, now I was lucky that my parents bought me all of it. <laughs> you know? I had electric cars, I had, uh, uh, physics circuits, I had the dolls, you know, so I had everything. Uh, so, so I wasn't necessarily cornered into it one gender or the other, um, you know, but but I know that that does exist, you know, in the world, um, you know, and there are other socializations that I experienced from all types of figures, whether they be parents or, um, you know, uh, I went to Catholic school. And so nuns and priests and those types of authoritative figures and everyone, you know, who goes to school as teachers, as authoritative figures, uh, you may have other family members or even older siblings as authoritative figures. Um, and so we are socialized. So if you're if you're a female, typically, you know, if you have the typical upbringing, uh, you are socialized to act a certain way, uh, to be more docile, perhaps, um, to uh, you know take care and nurture your dolls, um, and then of course you observe your mother figures and and uh, you know the other women in your family and how they are responding to their environments and what they're doing right and for most of us growing up you know they they also worked of course uh, but they were the primary people in the kitchen they were the ones doing the laundry you know they were the ones uh, you know taking care of the household for the most part um, you know and and we get socialized to become these nurturers. We have to take care of everybody. We have to, uh, you know, make sure everybody's okay, um, whether or not we're okay, right? So, you know, we often observe that. We, you know, most of us have seen that within family dynamics or friends' families' dynamics where, you know, the women were running themselves ragged, uh, taking care of everybody in the family, and never having time to take care of themselves, right? So, so this is a socialization. And as as a as a you know a male or, or a boy, um, you know you're socialized not to cry. You're socialized to be tough. You're socialized to tinker and build and construct and you know and and we grow up with these ideas and they become beliefs and they become very hardwired because as children we depend on the authoritative figures, right? So the things I heard in the Catholic schools about the 10,000 reasons I was going to go to hell, right? <laughs> you know, those things, if you're not careful, stick with you, right? And they give you this sense almost of worthlessness, right? So I heard a lot about how your soul gets blackened when you sin and, you know, and your soul is examined when you die. And, you know, you're going to go to hell if you have any, you know, black parts of your soul and you have to keep your soul white so you can go to heaven. And, you know, these are things we hear. I, I was in probably first or second grade when I heard this nonsense, right? And, but if you don't question, if you don't know any better <clears throat> that, you know, this stuff is nonsense, you internalize it, you buy in, you believe it, right? Um, and there's a part of you that because this is an authoritative figure, right? Someone who is above you, so to speak, on the hierarchy, telling you what is true. These are also the same people teaching you math. One plus one is two, right? That's true. Okay. But And then these are the same people telling you about the 10,000 reasons you're going to go to hell, right? And so in some way, it sticks. Even though you might blow it off and be like, that's ridiculous. There's a tiny little piece of you <laughs> that buys in. Right, because one plus one is two. So if they're right about this, what if they're right about that too? Right, um, and then we internalize these things and we grow up with these things, right? And then they begin to affect our health. They begin to affect how we show up in the world. Um, they begin to affect how we respond in relationships, right? Um, you know, whether we are adversarial or cooperative, whether we are competitive, um, you know, or collaborative, right? All these things 
come in. Do we have some questions? Uh, comment. Wow, Roman Emperor and Valentine's Day, like trick or treat. <laughs> yes. Give me chocolate or suffer a beheading. It, yeah, that's kind of what it was. Um, yeah, no, they were trying to spread Christianity. Um, and so, you know, they were going and, and, and uh, preaching. Um, and of course, you know, when you go to an authoritative figure who rules half the world and you tell them that they need to change what they believe, that's not going to go over very well <laughs> for most people. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that was, uh, I was surprised about that. Uh, comment number two, love yourself. That connection with healing, can you expound on that again? I only caught the tail end of your statement. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in my opinion, and I think, you know, I don't know if science will ever corroborate it or however it may show up, but um, I believe there's either love or absence of love, right? Um, and they cannot coexist. Um, you can't have love and not love exist at the same time. Uh, so it's all or none, right? Um, it's kind of like, again, flipping a coin. It either lands on heads or tails. You can't flip a coin and have it land on, you know, one and a half heads or something or three quarter heads. Um, it's one or the other. Um, and so, you know, if there's a tiny piece of you that believes that, you can't heal yourself, believes that you can't be well, believes that perhaps you deserve to be sick, you know, um, perhaps you don't deserve to have a, a fulfilling life, right? Um, you know, the, the idea of suffering, the idea of suffering is huge, right? You know, we, we watch people suffer all day, they're doing laundry, they're doing all the things they hate to do, right? Um, you know, for the good of other people. Now, of course, Somebody's got to do the laundry, right? Uh, but you know, at the same time, you know, when it's an when it's an excessive burden and it's the same person doing it over and over and over again, you know, the the and that person's cooking and cleaning and and you know everything else and working on top of that, right? Um, it, it's it's a it's a method of suffering, right? Um, would they be doing that if they had, a, you know, other choices? The answer is probably not. <laughs> and so this idea that we have to suffer and earn everything, right? Um, so, you know, again, the Christian work ethic, and I'm not bashing Christianity. Um, I just grew up in that religion. And so it's more familiar to me. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there are many other um religions and, and philosophies where this is taught, right? You have to work hard. You have to earn everything. You know, nothing is going to be given to you in this world, right? It's always a zero-sum game. There's one pie, you know, and you better hurry up and go get your slice. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything, right? So, so these are the things that are embedded in us as we move through time, as we get older, right? And and we think that, oh, those are fairy tales and that's what I heard as a kid and, you know, whatever, now I'm a grown up. Um, we carry that with us. And in fact, you know, the idea of cellular memory, you know, the idea that the water in our cells, right? So we're 99% water by molecule, right? So we're basically computer chips, <laughs> right? you know, just storing memory everywhere. Um, so, and, and we don't necessarily recall the memory intact, right? We're not gonna remember, oh yeah, when I was four, I was in preschool and you know the teacher said this to me or that, that other child did that to me and it made me feel this way. Like we're, we can't put the memories back in that order, you know, in the same exact way that they occurred. The first thing we actually remember is an emotion. You know, so we remember how we felt and what triggers us remembering that emotion is what's happening right now. You know, so it's not like we're just sitting around and we remember when we were four. We're interacting with someone that reminds us of that thing that happened to us when we were four. And suddenly we have an opinion about this interaction that may or may not have anything to do with what's actually happening. Right. But it's because the emotion is being triggered from when you were four and that feeling is coming back. And then your memory is trying your uh, sorry, your brain is trying to like go through all your memory files to figure out what that was about, you know, um, and how it relates to what's going on right now. And so your brain fabricates a story. Right. Um, and it's the same thing with disease and wellness. It's not any different. 
you know, as we move through our lives and how we're having these interactions with other people that are really based on how we feel about ourselves, ultimately, you know, this reflects in the diseases that we may or may not end up getting or the aches and the pains that we have, um, the autoimmune conditions, cancer, heart attacks, strokes, um, you know, or heart disease. Um, this is all reflections of, of how we feel about ourselves on the inside, right? Um, so yes, you, you, you have to actually look at, okay, you know, how is how I'm feeling about myself manifesting externally as my high cholesterol maybe, right? Or my, uh, uh, you know, God forbid cancer diagnosis or whatever it might be, right? Um, and it, it is the, the recall of those things when we were very young that is actually producing those diseases, right? Um, cellular memory goes back generations. It's not just the memories of you, you know, from the time you were born until present, it's generational, right? Because we can trace that back, right? I mean, we all come from one cell of our mother, right? Uh, that has combined with the sperm of our father. Now, that one cell becomes trillions and trillions of other cells. So it's that one cell that keeps dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing. So it, it's not too far-fetched to think, oh, well, yeah, that that the memory of that one cell is in every cell, you know, and then you reproduce, you know, and then you're taking that memory, you know, and, and giving it to the next generation, right? Um, so cellular memory is, is generational. It's not just finite in one lifetime. And so, you know, way back from when human beings, you know, originated, right? We carry that memory to this day. Um, and so sometimes your thoughts are not even your own. You don't even know why you're thinking a certain way or why you're feeling a certain way. It's because you're carrying things from other generations, right? Um, but you're also living your life with that memory, if that makes sense. So, so the interactions that you're having today, you know, in 2024, are reflecting the collection of all those memories that you've carried with you. And so when we want to break that cycle, you know, we don't have to go back to a bunch of generations. We can just look at what just happened a second ago <laughs> because it's related. Um, so we don't necessarily have to go back and revisit traumas and go, you know, through genealogy and, you know, we can if we want to, right? We, we have that technology available today, but we don't have to. Um, you can literally look at, what's happening right now, right? So so if there's something that's triggering you, you can literally sit with that and just be with it and be curious about it, right? You can say, well, okay, well, what am I feeling right now? What is that? Um, and you just sit with it and you breathe through it, right? And, and you just allow yourself to reveal what that is, right? Um, and for those of you who follow uh, Teal Swan, um, I would recommend that you go and, and check out her really early videos from like nine or 10 years ago, where she goes into how to heal emotional uh, pain, right? Um, and how to just really sit with the emotion and to literally allow it to quote unquote, talk to you um, and tell you what it is that it's trying to heal. You know, emotions are a pathway to healing, you know, so our emotions, our senses that tell us what's going on within ourselves. So although they may be, you know, triggered by an external thing that just happened, the fact that it generates an emotion within you is telling you that there is something within you that is resonating with just what just happened that needs to be healed, right? Now it could be from when you were three, uh, but it's being triggered by now because there's something common about it. And so if you, heal what's happening now by sitting with that emotion and allowing it to process, you're also healing what happened when you were three, because it's kind of the same thing, right? Um, and you may remember that emotion, right? So when you're sitting there and wondering, like, why did I just have that interaction with that person that made me feel this, maybe it's a heaviness in your chest or uh, a burning, or maybe it's palpitations, 
you know, and, and you literally sit and you breathe with it and you don't try to analyze it, but you just literally breathe through it and you allow it to just generate thoughts to you. You don't go hunting for the thoughts. You let them come to you, right? Um, you may remember something that happened a really long time ago. And then what, what Teal Swan says that you can do, which I believe, I think it makes a lot of sense, is again, that reparenting. And I think we're starting to see this in scientific methodology now and psychology now. You know, so she was definitely, um, I think, correct when she was saying this, you know, to reparent yourself by allowing a different outcome for when you were three, right? So if you can remember something, maybe you got pushed off your bike when you were three or something, you know, and that really hurt your feelings and it made you feel, um, you know, inadequate or embarrassed or something like that, right? And then now you're being triggered by an interaction with a complete stranger you barely know, right? But it's the same feeling. So you can, you know, kind of allow that feeling to come out. And then if you remember what happened when you were three, you can play it out in a way that is more pleasant, uh, you know, in the way that you would have liked it to have turned out, right? So maybe you would have become best friends with that kid instead of, you know, him or her pushing you off your bike, right? Um, and, and you get to reparent that three-year-old self, you know? So these are some of the things that we have to do that are essential to do in order for us to truly heal, right? So we have to um, go back to that three-year-old or that four-year-old self and love that self, um, you know, by changing the memory and the outcome uh, to one that reflects love. You know, it, what would I have done to have made that memory, you know, to have made that situation more pleasant? That doesn't mean it was your fault necessarily that you got pushed off your bike, but what, what, how can you remember the event in a way that's more self-loving um, so that you literally change the memory of the event and you allow the emotion of the event to come through and out, you know, so that's, so it's processed. It's not stuck in you anymore. Um, so that's, that's, you know, one of the really important things that I think uh, Teal Swan has taught us and many, many other philosophers, you know, in ancient Chinese medicine, they talk about these things, you know, so it's not, it's not a modern phenomenon, but what's modern about it is that we're figuring it out, you know, and, and beginning to really understand that it has value. And so we're coming up on our first commercial break. Um, got a couple other comments here that we'll talk about on the flip side. So you're listening to Awaken Wellness Now. We are talking about self-care as self-love. We'll be right back. What happens when we begin to realize that the 200-year experiment we've called the American healthcare system has failed? Learn how spirituality, ancient traditions, and cutting-edge science are merging to create a new paradigm of wellness on Awakened Wellness with Milan Riobe. That's M-Y-L-A-I-N-E-R-I-O-B-E-M-D. Tune in every Wednesday at 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Time with live video shows every first and third Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern when you can call in and ask Dr. Milan the questions that matter most to you. Dr. Milen is the founder of Awakened Wellness Now, an online education community dedicated to helping exhausted entrepreneurs recover from burnout and live their best lives. She's also a practicing physician at the New York Center for Integrative Health in New York City. For more information, visit awakenedwellnessnow.com. Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you in for this dynamic forward-thinking show. Join Dr. Bernie Siegel on Mind Health Matters every Thursday and Friday, 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Bernie will draw from his inspirational personal journey, offering us special nuggets of his sacred wisdom weaved through his delightful stories. Listen in as Bernie reminds us to be fully engaged in life. Ever wonder what it's like to have your own radio show? Well, wonder no longer, because you can dip into the radio airwaves by being host for the day on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. It's a fabulous way to get your radio feet wet. It's an opportunity to market your business, modality, or book. 
have a guest, mention a sponsor and take callers, or you may want to facilitate a lesson by going solo. It's up to you. Listeners can be online, mobile, in cars with Bluetooth, or listen through Amazon's Echo by asking Alexa, play Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. For more details, go to DreamVision7Radio.com and click on Host for the Day. Delight your kids with an enchanting journey by reading the Paper Doll Kids Children's Book by Deborah Beauvais and Janine Sullivan. There's even a catchy tune, Kids for Love Song, produced by Bob Sherwood and sung by kids just like yours. The story weaves around seven paper dolls flying around the world doing good deeds as they bring important attention to our endangered animal friends. There's even a magical ring with a universal message. Kids become interested in service projects, action through compassion, and planting seeds that nurture positive change. The Paper Doll Kids and Kids for Love Song are a production of the Kids for Love Project. Get the book now on Amazon Kindle and the song on CD Baby or iTunes. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back to Awakened Wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Milan Riabe, and today we're talking about self-care as self-love. And um, so we had a couple more comments here. Heard on another show on Dream Visions that weight gain and addiction might be associated with childhood experiences. Do you have any suggestions dealing with childhood injuries that could still be haunting me? Yes, I think we just tackled that one. You probably had put your comment in before I started to say that. Um, But yes, it's kind of reparenting that inner child, right? And it's through the now experiences. So you don't have to necessarily have to try and figure out like what happened when I was a kid, but it, it replays, right? So, so because of, you know, law of attraction, so to speak, whatever emotion is stuck from age five is still swirling around you and will attract, you know, today's, you know, equivalent of that. Right. Um, and so you can be kind of in the present living now, and have things, you know, go on. Sometimes there's nobody around you. It's not someone who is producing, uh, you know, an emotion. Sometimes it could be something you're watching on TV or you're listening to a podcast or, you know, whatever. And then you feel something, right? And it's just it's just following that feeling, you know, whether it's good or bad, right? Because you you want to also reinforce the good feeling. So if, if you see something that brings you a lot of joy, sit with that too and say, oh, what's, what's that about? You know, uh, what does that feel like? Like literally ask your body, what, what does that feel like? You know, and, and where is it? Oh, it's in my heart. Oh, what does it feel like? Oh, it feels like this expansive bubbling energy, you know, it feels warm or whatever. And then if it's something negative, it might be, it feels like a pressure. It feels like a, a, a heaviness, a weight. It feels cold or, you know, whatever, you may even see a color in your mind, uh, you know, it looks blue or whatever the case may be. And and as you allow the thoughts to arise, again, you're not chasing the thoughts, you're just sitting and asking and being curious. Um, and then the thoughts will generate from whenever that childhood thing happened. And you may not remember the event, you may just remember five you know, fear, something like that. And and you may not be able to pinpoint what it was, um, but then you can sit with that. Well, what did that, what does that feel like? You know, um, what's that about? And you just let those thoughts arise and then something may or may not come up. And then if you remember a specific event, then again, you can reparent or reframe the event in the way that you would have preferred it to have occurred. Um, and so that's re- reparenting. Um, and then you you just allow the universe then or ask the universe to bring you more things that will be with this new memory that you've just created and formed, right? Because it's your dominant thoughts, your dominant beliefs that bring about your experiences, right? Um, you know, and, and then you just start looking for the more positive aspects of that memory um, in your day-to-day, um, you know, living. 
it could be just that you're out for a walk and it's sunny, right? Um, it could be somebody smiles at you as they walk by. It could be somebody held the door open um, or you hold the door open for someone else or something like that, right? This positive interaction. And then you'll feel something positive and say, oh, what's that about, right? And and you just keep kind of uh, reinforcing those positive uh, emotions and looking for the evidence, right? There's always evidence all over the place, but it's our dominant thoughts that will um, determine what we actually see. You know, so so you may be surrounded by positivity, but if you're feeling negative that day, quote unquote, you'll only see that one little negative thing, right? And, and then the other 10,000 positive things you will completely not see. Um, so once you open yourself up to seeing it, then you'll see it, right? Um, and then it'll, you know, kind of start to pop up um, and you'll see more and more evidence over time. Um, last week you taught on energy flow. I've uh, been thinking about it since then. I would like to improve my energy flow. Any suggestion to start this process? Yeah, so so this process here, this reparenting process, you know, re reconstructing the memories that we have. Um, again, remember your brain can't tell an event when you were five from one that's happening now. It has no idea. <laughs> you know, so if you reframe what happened when you were five um, and and allow yourself to sit in that more positive emotion, um, you know, your brain will think it's experiencing it now. And then your brain will start looking for other things that reminded of that feeling. You know, uh, so so this is why affirmations are useful, but if you don't believe the affirmation, uh, it will backfire on you, right? And so, so when you create an affirmation for yourself, it has to be believable. Um, so that's why I like these small things, right? I'm about to go out for a walk. Show me three really cool things about today, right? Um, you know, so one could be it's sunny. Uh, one could be, you know, oh, I ran into my nice neighbor who had, you know, you know, nice things to say, or, uh, you know, somebody held the door open for me as I was, you know, walking out with grocery bags or whatever. You're going to find them. Um, so, so you have to kind of set your brain on a trajectory to find the more positive things, but they have to be kind of on the small side, um, so to speak so that you're building like these incremental steps. You know, it has to be something you can believe uh, because you know you, you can't set an affirmation so high that your five-year-old self is like, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, because then they're gonna conflict and then all hell will break loose. Um, so it has to be in these little bite-sized pieces. And then you build and build and build on that. And then whatever you dominantly believe becomes your life, you know? Um, and, you know, that's that's now science. It's not woo-woo and crazy. Um, we understand that these are science, now scientific principles. Um, now, they may be in the realm of quantum physics and not in, you know, the everyday science that we experience. But when we see that the universe, you know, is what it is and that, more or less 96% of it, we can't see in any way, shape or form or detect, um, you know, it opens up this entire world of things going on that we can't see, we can't perceive, but we can feel them, right? So, so we can feel, sometimes you'll walk into a place and you don't know why it gives you a sensation, right? Um, you may not have ever been to that place before, but yet there's a distinct sensation that you feel when you walk in. Um, you know, that's because of the collection of other people's emotions and thoughts that have been there before that, that you're kind of absorbing. Um, you know, so, so this energy exchange is, is quite real. Um, so you want to make sure that you are filtering out as many, you know, detrimental beliefs that you can by using, you know, now, um, now, you know, don't go look for trouble, right? <laughs> you know, don't go punch somebody and see what they do so you can figure out what happened when somebody, you know, hit you when you were three, right? But just in the everyday happenings of your life, you know, uh, you, you'll feel things. And, and so you can then start to really sit with those things. 
Um, DNA or training. I find myself being my mother when dealing with my kids. Oh my God, make it stop. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, we become what we are socialized to be, right? Unless we actively stop it um, and actively do the work that moves us in a whole other direction, right? Um, so, so yeah, you, you, you have a piece of your mother, you know, we all internalize pieces of people that we've interacted with and, you know, those that have had the most influence on us, we internalize the most. Um, and so, you know, being a mother is no joke, right? It's hard. <laughs> um, not that it's hard necessarily in a, in a detrimental way, but to really be, you know, who you want to be for your children can be hard, right? Because that may or may not be who you were raised to be, right? Or who you were socialized to be. Um, and so you have to really dig into yourself um, and, and allow your children to reflect back to you. Um, what is her name? Uh, she's a PhD, Sabari, I think is her name. T-S-A-B-A-R-I, I wanna say, Shafali. Um, she wrote an excellent book about how children are mirrors and mirror back to us what needs to heal, right? Um, and again, our, our children will evoke emotions, right? Uh, probably no relationship on the planet evokes more emotions than, you know, a, a, a parent and a child. Um, and so they are a direct mirror back to you. So if they are triggering you for any reason, they're literally a mirror telling you something about you, you know? Um, because again, remember, we pass on our energy to our kids. And so they carry our energy, right? And so if they're being, you know, they're behaving in a way that's triggering us, there's a part of us that's actually being reflected back towards ourselves. Um, and so we can really um, uh, use that as a means of, of change, as a means of internal reflection, right? And you can, again, do the same thing. You can sit with that. Um, you know, why did that interaction with my son or daughter make me feel that way? Like, what's that about, right? In a curious way, like not in a judgmental way, but in a curious way. Um, and then we do that same process again. Um, but it's a really great book. I, gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but I, I want to say her name is Shafali. Sabari, maybe I'll look, I'll look it up during the next commercial break, uh, see if I can find it for you. Um, remembering a memory in a positive way, creating a memory to change the original one. Mind blown. <laughs> Wowzer. I want more information on doing this. Um, it's actually, a, I've seen it in a few places, but the most recent one that I saw that I thought was really impactful was Teal Swan. Um, she has a, a podcast from probably nine or 10 years ago uh, called um, probably another thing I'll have to look up during the commercial break. Um, I think it's called how to change our beliefs, something like that. Um, how to change core beliefs, I believe is the name of the podcast. Um, she's, it's really good. Like she gives you step by step how to do it. And then she demonstrates it with someone you know, during one of her, um, uh, shows during one of her, uh, sessions. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's really, really good. And again, we're seeing this, right. The brain can't tell the difference. That's why visualization is such a huge part of sports psychology, right? Um, we all learn, uh, when we play sports to visualize the outcome, you know, so if you're playing basketball, you're visualizing the outcome, which is the ball going in the hoop. Right. Um, and there's a way, again, you have to set those goals and affirmations in a realistic way. Right. So to set the visualization of winning the game is different than to set the visualization of making it the shots. Right. Making the shots are shorter, achievable goals. Winning the game is a little bit more of a stretch, but we can see, like, oh, if I visualize making all my shots, that's gonna help us win the game, right? So while winning the game might be a little bit too much of a stretch uh, to visualize, making a basket isn't, right? And so if you if you 
continue to continuously visualize making the baskets over and over and over, that usually translates into a one game, right? Uh, a game winning uh, um, construct. So, so that's what I would uh, say about that. But, um, but yeah, so I think we have one more commercial break. I'm going to look up that book for you. And you're listening to Awaken Wellness Now. I'm Dr. Milan Riobe, and we'll talk. We're talking about self-care as self-love, and we'll talk about some hacks on the other side of this commercial break. What happens when we begin to realize that the 200-year experiment we've called the American healthcare system has failed? Learn how spirituality, ancient traditions, and cutting-edge science are merging to create a new paradigm of wellness on Awakened Wellness with Milan Riobe. That's M-Y-L-A-I-N-E-R-I-O-B-E-M-D. Tune in every Wednesday at 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Time with live video shows every first and third Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern when you can call in and ask Dr. Milan the questions that matter most to you. Dr. Milen is the founder of Awakened Wellness Now, an online education community dedicated to helping exhausted entrepreneurs recover from burnout and live their best lives. She's also a practicing physician at the New York Center for Integrative Health in New York City. For more information, visit awakenedwellnessnow.com. Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you in for this dynamic forward-thinking show. Edesia is a U.S. nonprofit dedicated to the dream of ending childhood malnutrition for millions of children around the world. Through the manufacture of Plumpy Nut and other nutrient-rich, peanut-based, ready-to-use foods, Edesia has already delivered life and hope to nearly 1 million children in over 26 developing countries. To find out how you can join Edesia's dream of ending childhood malnutrition, please visit ediciaglobal.org. What if dreams can diagnose your life? What if we can meet the love of our life in dreams? Join host Cat O'Keefe Cannabis, the number one internationally best-selling author of Dreams That Can Save Your Life, written with Duke University medical doctor Larry Burke. Dreaming Healing is where we'll explore dreams, research, and interpret dreams from you, the caller. Dreaming Healing shows can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern with live shows on the first and third evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. Come live your dreams out loud with Kat. Are you searching for a way to help create global change? Dream Vision 7 radio network's vision is to have an eclectic group of radio hosts dedicated to educating, enlightening, and helping humankind with positive messages and tools that enhance lives using different modalities and programs. If you would like to join our team and help illuminate the universe, call Deborah at 508-226-1723 or Deborah at DreamVision7Radio.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back to Awaken Wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Milan Riobe, and today we're talking about self-care as self-love. And um, so the book is called The Conscious Parent, and it is by Dr. Shafali Sabari. Um, her last name is T-S-A-B-A-R-Y, and the book is The Conscious Parent. She also has another called The Conscious Family, The Awakened Family. Um, outstanding book, um, again, about how children are, are mirrors, basically, um, and, and uh, teachers, essentially, right? So, so our entire life is a teacher. Um, every interaction, every emotion, every feeling is a teacher, right? And it's simply telling you a means of becoming more self-aware, right? It's a path to self-awareness, um, you know, which is the, the the main purpose of being here, right? Being on the planet is to become self-aware and to know who you are, right? We see those inscriptions on uh, ancient uh, walls, you know, know thyself, right? So that's the whole point of why we're here is to figure out who we are. 
um, you know, as, as beings, as uh, spiritual beings. And so we move through this physical space um, through with our senses, right? Um, in order to uh, interact with this physical space so that we can become self-aware, right? So knowing who you are in a spiritual sense without being able to experience who you are in a physical sense is, you know, not as much fun. <laughs> so when we're not manifested here on the planet, um, you know, it's more of a potential energy, right? And not an actuated energy. So in the 3D world, we are actuating that energy by experiencing it, right? And, and you know, we're bumping our heads and we're getting concussions and we're, you know, uh, bruising ourselves and, and doing all kinds of insanity uh, as we move through the world, trying to figure it out so that, you know, not so much so we can figure it out, but so that we can get to know who we are in that process. Um, and so what are some hacks, right? So in my book, Faith, and in our online course, The Wellness Warrior Nine-Week Transformation Program, I go into the five C's of change, right? And so when you're feeling tired or exhausted or you're not feeling well or, or you know, perhaps you're not as happy as you'd like to be, you have to change that, right? Um, so that requires some type of active means of changing the outcome, right? Um, so the first thing that we have to do, the first C is to be conscious that there's something that we wish to change, right? That there is a belief at play that is not beneficial to us, right? And then we have to commit to finding out what the core of that belief actually is, right? And again, it, it usually goes back to childhood. Um, you know, something that we heard, something that happened, something that was ingrained in us at school or wherever. Um, so, and then we have to commit to learning about that. Um, and then we have to commit to changing it, right? Um, and the only motivation to change something is when it's more painful to stay where you are than to go through the quote unquote pain of changing it to something else, right? So it has to be in your mind, you know, the belief has to be so detrimental to you that you're willing to form a new belief, right? Um, then that's when we trigger that, that real change. So it may have been detrimental the entire time, but it's not until you recognize that it's detrimental and that it's more detrimental than it's beneficial that you will choose to change it, right? And that's the third C, choose. You have to choose to do something different each and every day, all day long. Uh, again, by putting your brain to work, right? Asking it to find you evidence of this new belief that you have, right? And you got to start with small things. Again, if you want to win a, a, you know, Olympic gold, um, you can't just visualize yourself winning Olympic gold, right? You have to visualize yourself doing all the little things that result in Olympic gold, gold. Otherwise you won't believe it. Um, you know, so you, if you're a basketball player, you have to visualize yourself dribbling the basketball. You have to visualize yourself making your layups. You have to visualize yourself making your free throws, you know, and that builds into winning games and winning gold, right? Um, so it's the same thing with affirmations. We have to make sure that they're in bite-sized pieces that we're willing to believe, um, you know, and when you reparent a memory, reparent your inner child, you know, again, you want to build incrementally, you know, by asking for, for proof. And then you'll start to see the little things that are really working to your benefit. Um, and that's cultivation, right? That's the fourth C. You have to cultivate, look for the proof, you know, be willing to be inundated with this proof that this new belief is true, right? So if your belief is, you know, I'm not good enough to get a good job, um, you know, some of the incremental things that you might remember are, you know, when you were a kid having a lemonade stand, right? Um, and that's proof that, yeah, I can get a good job. That was actually fun, right? And I bought, I don't know, some toy with the money I made that summer, right? 
Um, and, and, and so that's really small, but those are the types of things, like those are the small wins that you look for in your past because they exist, right? We just block them out because the dominant thought is something more detrimental, right? I'm not, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve that thing. I have to work really hard. That's another one, right? So you can start to think of when you got a toy that you didn't work hard for, right? Uh, you can start to think of when, uh, you know, a coworker, you know, brought in cookies at the office, right? You didn't have to work for the cookies, right? <laughs> they just showed up, right? So these are the really tiny little things that you look for as proof. And then you start to literally restructure your brain, you know, so that it goes away from the detrimental beliefs more towards the beneficial beliefs. And then you will start to see more and more and more proof of that, right? Um, and then the consistency. Again, that's the, the fifth C, consistency and having the will to keep doing that. Because if you don't keep, you know, cultivating and being consistent with looking for the proof of your new belief, the old ones will just start popping up again, right? It's like, it's like gardening. If you don't constantly, you know, pick out the weeds and, and feed the soil and, you know, water and do all the things that you have to do so that, you know, the, the, the luscious garden that you're planting is dominant, you know, if you're not doing those things, then weeds will just pop up everywhere, right? It's the same thing in life. It's the same thing with beliefs. Um, you know, it, it, they're almost like addictions. We were talking about, you know, there was a comment about addiction. They're thought addictions, basically, you know, so it takes a while, right? So again, your brain, although you've just sent it out looking for proof of something more beneficial, it's still somewhat dominated by the detrimental memories it has all in the archives from, you know, from, you know, conception until the present. Right. Um, so it'll always have a tendency to snap back to those memories because that's how it functions. And so you have to be committed and consistent, um, you know, and, and again, looking for the proof in your everyday living for the brain to become habituated you know, to create a new habit of thinking in a more quote unquote positive way, right? And another thing, you know, that I'll bring up as another, uh, you know, you know, quote unquote hack is breathing, right? Again, breathing, heart math. Um, it's a short, sweet, um, very, very, very effective way to, again, cultivate positive emotions, cultivate positive uh, uh, you know, memories and cultivate um, just feeling good, right? So, so heart math, breathing, a quick coherence technique, um, I would highly recommend for anyone. It, it just allows you to inundate yourself with positive emotion, right? And, and as you do that, again, your brain is being rewired uh, to positive or, or beneficial emotions, right? Um, and so that's a really quick thing. Again, it's Five minutes in through, I'm sorry, five seconds in through the nostrils, five seconds out also through the nostrils. You never hold your breath and you never breathe through your mouth. And then while you're doing that, you're thinking of very positive thoughts, right? Um, again, they don't have to be real. Uh, you can make them up. You know, I could be walking through, you know, the thought of you walking through the park, the thought of you uh, interacting with someone you really love, um, you know, I don't know having a, a food that you love, you know, anything that you can conjure up in your mind that makes you feel good. Your brain can't tell the difference, right? So it'll think that you're actually doing that thing in that moment. And then it will store that as memory, right? And so we can start to understand, okay, if I'm storing more positive than negative, then my brain will habituate to positive. And then I will see the proof of the positive in my reality, right? Because it already exists. It's just that we're We've got blinders on because the dominant thoughts are quote unquote detrimental. As soon as we open up and are willing to see the positive, we'll see them, right? Um, because they already exist. It's not something we have to go and create for ourselves. So that's all the time we have for this podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening today. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Milan Ryobe. You've been listening to Awaken Wellness Now. And until next time, many, many blessings. Thank you. 
Join us next time on Awakened Wellness with Milen Riobay, MD, to learn how spirituality, ancient traditions, and cutting-edge science are merging to create a new paradigm of wellness. Awakened Wellness airs every Wednesday at 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Time with live video shows every first and third Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern of each month. Meanwhile, you can join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Dr. Me Lin and let us know what you'd like to discuss on future episodes. Dr. Me Lin is the founder of Awakened Wellness Now, an online education community dedicated to helping exhausted entrepreneurs recover from burnout and live their best lives. She's also a practicing physician at the New York Center for Integrative Health in New York City. For more information, visit AwakenedWellnessNow.com. This show is part of the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network.